Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected. I know we have people all over the United States watching us in Texas and New Mexico and Nebraska and Massachusetts and Florida and Vermont and all over the place. So thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right, uh, I got a couple things to just talk about really quick. Uh, this Saturday coming up the 18th, we have a work day. We have an all work day, so bring some tools, okay? We're, we're going to just clean up, uh, just clean up the, the, the property and, and get ready for spring as everything is dying, right? And we're just going to clean it all up. And so, uh, fall, 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 it's fall. Uh, as everything is falling off the trees, and we're going to clean it up. And, uh, and so if you come, we're going to be here from 8 to 12, uh, just making everything uh, look nice for the winter that is right around uh, the corner, okay? So if you could do that, that would be awesome. Uh, the other thing is, man, I just want to thank uh, Chuck and Pastor Don over the last two weeks, bringing the word. Come on. We are, we are so blessed as a community uh, to have so many great communicators, and it just really helps me to just get focused to what God has for us next as a church, and I think I got another one, okay? I think I got another one this week and a new series coming up. Uh, before I, I tell you uh, what the series is and we're going to be talking about, um, it is communion today, um, and so you should have got one of these all-in-ones as you came in. If you didn't, I'll give you an opportunity to get one. As we're going to take communion today as part of our response time today, we try to do it in the first of every month, um, but we skipped it last week to do it today. So, okay? All right. The title of the new series is Refuge. The title of the new series is, is Refuge. And uh, we were praying as a, a staff one morning a couple weeks ago, and, and the Holy Spirit just really spoke this word to myself and, and Pastor Don as we're praying. And, and, and so I just started to dig deep into that word refuge. Like, like, what is God calling us to be as a church as a refuge? You can go ahead and put up the definition of refuge. And this is the definition of refuge. A shelter or protection from danger or distress, a place that provides shelter from weather, a safe place for training and healing that can happen simultaneously. And I was, I was at breakfast with Chuck the other day, and I'm like, man, this is what I feel like. Man, God is calling us uh, to be a refuge. And, and so instantly he goes into his military mind, and, and he's like, man, well, what I think about a refuge is this, this great fortress, right? That, that, that when soldiers get wounded, they can be dragged into the refuge, and they can be mended, and they can, they can allow a safe place to be healed, right? But in the same time, uh, soldiers are, are being trained up to go out and fight. And so, man, this is the series today, okay? This is the series over the next several weeks that we're, man, God, Jesus isn't returning for a book club. He, he's not returning for, for, for a, a kumbaya meeting. No, no, no. He's returning for an army, right? Like, like he, he's, he's looking for an army to be trained up to destroy the works of the enemy. Come on. Come on, I had two weeks off, all right? I got I to gotta tone it back a little bit, all right? I got to tone it back a little bit. <laughs> all right. Let's pray. Before I get going, all right? Holy Spirit, we thank you for this moment. 
We thank you for every person that's in this room today and watching online. It is not by mistake, Holy Spirit, that you've placed us here on purpose. That you've got a prophetic word for us today, God. That you want to speak to our very innermost being today, God. To our hearts and our minds. You want transformation today. So, Holy Spirit, we just say, have your way today. Father, we just lift up our brother today, Dalton Reisner, as he's playing against the Giants today. <laughs> Keep him safe today, Lord. Keep him healthy all season. Lord, we don't pray for regular season wins. We pray for championships. <laughs> Father, help me get out of the way. None of me and all of you in Jesus' name. And everybody, everybody said... I texted him this morning and said, hey, man, we're praying. We're praying for championships, though. Come on. <laughs> Amen. All right, refuge. So where we need to start today, where we need to start today, we need to start with hope today, okay? We need to start with getting the idea that we're supposed to be a refuge of hope as the church and as Christians. Because this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a bunch of Christians walking around that have no hope. Not only do they have no hope, and we're going to talk about this next week, we have no courage. I mean, you want to talk about an oxymoron, a bunch of hopeless, courageless Christians walking around. Come on, if there was a group of people during this time that should have hope, that should have courage, it should be us. And so today, we're going to get our hope back. We're going to get our hope back. We're going to become this refuge of hope. I was reading through the book of Job this week and, and just picking out some revelation and, and I don't like to do this, but uh, I just this passage just jumped out at me because I wanted to preach on courage this week, but I, I saw this passage of scripture and it made sense to me. Let's go ahead and read it, Job eleven eighteen. And now this is Job's friend talking to Job, and, and his friend cannot wrap his mind around that bad things are happening to Job. He's like, you must be in sin. And Job's like, no, I'm not. He's like, you must be. Like, why are all these bad things happening to you? And he's just like, I don't know, right? And, and he says this. He's like, having hope will give you courage, okay? So before we can get to this place where, where we have courage, right, we need to get our hope back. You will be protected and will rest in safety. And so today, I got points today. Come on, somebody. I got four points today. Four ways to get our hope back. Four ways to get our hope back today. Let's look at Psalms 103 today. David says this, of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments, the Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over some things. Only important things to him. Okay. Everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plan, listening for each of his commandments. Come on, we meant... God is sending his angels. He's deploying his angels right now to do his work. Come on, somebody. Point number one today, we need to remember that God is in control of everything. Come on, let's say it today. Everything. 
Because I, I think a lot of us forget this. And, and, and we see all the things that are happening around us, not just in our country, but in different parts of the world. And it, and it, it evaporates our hope. Right? It, it just evaporates our hope. And, and we, 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 start, we start wondering, is God really in control? Guys, listen, this conversation never happens in heaven, okay? The father turns to the son, Jesus, and says, Jesus, I can't believe Trump lost. <laughs> totally blindsided by that one. <laughs> Holy Spirit, what's this coronavirus? Never heard of it before, right? Like, guys, like God is in control he has a plan. He's working. He's sending his angels out. They are doing his work. Guys, stop letting these things suck the hope out of your life. God is in control. He's still in control. Listen, the government's not in control. God is in control. There's just that temptation because many of us focus so much on the bad things that are happening in our life or, or happening on the outside. And it's very easy to get so focused and, and we just lose our hope in the process of, of these things that are happening. And, and God, guys, God is still on the throne. He's in control. He has power over the whole universe. Come on, God is not worried today. God is not standing in heaven, turning to Jesus and saying, you know what, something just occurred to me. <laughs> he's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the first, he's the last. Come on, have some confidence that our God is on the throne, he's all powerful, and he's already seen the future and we're going to be okay. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, and this is really interesting because the Holy Spirit allows John, the Apostle John, to see this revelation, to see this vision. Jesus is there, and he's talking to John, and he's showing him things in the future. And, and what's really interesting is Revelation 2 is all about the church, okay? It is all about the church. And, and the church has come under so much scrutiny. It's been attacked so much over these last two years. And, and here's the issue with it. It's because a lot of Christians, okay? And I believe that this word today is for followers of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, my hope in about 20 minutes you're going to become a follower of Christ. Come on, somebody. And Jesus is talking to the church. And, and there's just this... This misunderstanding of what the church is, and because so many different churches and pastors were like, no, the church is just in your heart. You can have church in your heart. No, you can't. Okay, that's not what a church is. A church is a body of believers that come together in unison and make up the image of Christ. We can't make that up by ourselves. It's supposed to be this refuge, this 
force of nature on the earth where people say, man, what is going on in that place? Man, that place is protected. Man, miracles are happening in that place. Restoration is happening in that place. We're supposed to be a shiny light on a hill. And too many people are like, huh? Guys, whose plan do you think that was? This is Satan's plan. Come on, he, he wants to remove hope and courage from Christians. He wants to stop people going to church. And he wants to remove the power of the Holy Spirit from our lives. That's why we had a whole series on the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we would be followers of cross, Christ walking in the power of God. So he writes these letters to the church. Okay? And today we're, we're just going to focus in on the church of Ephesus. And here's an interesting fun fact for you. John, after he gets off the island of Patmos, he goes to this church of Ephesus. And, and this is where he lives out the last days and he helps this church. Okay? This is where he becomes an elder and, and he helps this church of Ephesus. And so I, I want us to focus in on that today. Come on, let's read it. Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. Okay, here's Jesus talking to this church of Ephesus, okay? He's like, I know what you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. So there's some good things about this church. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. And so he's like, man, you, you, you've, you've seen false prophets, right? Like false teachers. You're like, no, no, that's wrong doctrine. Get out of here, okay? So you've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Come on, you haven't quit. So good, good job, right? So, so he gives them a pat on the back. And he says, okay, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Let's continue. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Let's stop there for a moment. The Nicolaitans, basically what they did is they created this hierarchy. So there was priests over here and then regular people over here. Okay? And, and they created this, this go-between between people and God, they said, no, 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 you have to go to a priest, you have to go to a pastor to get to God, and, and Jesus is like, I hate that, okay, because that's what he came to destroy. He, he came so we could have a personal relationship with him. There's no more go-between. He got rid of that, right, in the Old Testament, right, the old, uh, the old covenant. He got rid of that in the Old Covenant. We're under a new covenant where we can go directly to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit, because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And so Jesus is like, man, I can't stand that. Because there's, this, there's, there's priests and there's people. Let, let me tell you right now, I am not better than you. I'm not, I'm not better than you, okay? God has gifted me. He's given me a teaching ability, a leadership ability. He's given me, you know, faith, right? But I'm not better than you. 
okay? I'm not separate from you. Priests are, pastors are not separate from you. Now listen, everybody needs a pastor, okay? I have a personal pastor. You should have a personal pastor that helps lead and guide and direct you uh, in in your life. But I'm not better than you. Jesus came so we could all have access to the Holy Spirit directly, amen? So Jesus is like, like, I like that part about you guys. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the church, to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in paradise of God. Put, put the last slide up for me, Jay. He says, I, I, I need you to go back to the beginning. Now, just, just, just for a moment, okay, because he, in other translation, he says your first love, okay? Do this exercise with me for a moment, okay? And, and again, I know there's some of you that are not followers of Christ here today, or maybe you're, on, you're teetering, okay? But for those of you that are, and you're watching online, go back to that moment, right now, if you can, that first time that you fell in love with Jesus, that you realize that he died on the cross for your sins. And that all of your sins were, were washed away. And that you became this new creation. Like, go back to that moment. Maybe you came to an altar or raised your hand. Or, or, or maybe it was that, that moment that you got baptized in water. And you came out of the water a new creation. Go back to that moment right now. Go back to that moment. How full is your heart? Your heart is just so full of love and joy and hope, right? It's filled with so much hope that that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, that, that your old life has passed away, and he's given you a new beginning. This is what Jesus is saying to this church. It's like you've lost your first love. Point number two today is we need to get our passion right. This is a church that has a lot of programs, but no passion. This is a church that on the outside looks really good, man. They've got some good statistics. Man, man, man they've got some good attendance, right? They, they, they've got good money, like money is coming in. On the outside, this church looks good. But on the inside, they've lost their passion. They've lost their first love. And I believe this is a message for the the American church today, that Jesus is saying, come on, get back to your passion. Because when we fix our passion, everything else will fall in place. You see, some of us, we have our passion going the wrong way. We're more passionate about politics than we are Jesus. We're more passionate about a vaccine and a mask than we are about Jesus. We're more passionate about stimulus checks than we are about Jesus. We're more passionate about our career, about our finances, about our bank account. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you get your passion right, everything else will fall in place. And that is why we're called Passion Life Church. Because I want... I want us to live passionately for Jesus. Man, listen, I live passionately for the world. I did drugs. I was a drunk. I, 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 did, I experienced everything that the world had to offer. I was passionate about the world. 
But when Jesus saved me by grace, I didn't deserve to be saved out of my hole that I dug myself. And he pulled me out. And he dusted me off. He says, I got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I cannot even imagine that he would call me my name to be a preacher, okay? This is what happens when we get our passion right. And some of us, man, our, our passions are all over the place. And Jesus is calling us today. The reason why you struggle with hope, the reason why your hope level is low, is because your passion is wrong. Is Jesus your passion today? Is he number one? Because if some of you are honest today, he's about nine on the list. Like fantasy, if you're really honest, fantasy football is higher than your passion for Jesus right now. Do not check the scores right now. <laughs> Games have not started. Because <laughs> if we fix our passion... Man, Jesus is like, man, just go back to your first love. Go back to that moment where you felt so filled with hope. Go back to that. This is what he's telling this church. Yeah, you look good on the outside. And listen, we drive by these big, big buildings, these, these big cathedrals, and they look beautiful on the outside, and they look beautiful on the inside. But let me tell you, they are dead. And it's because they've lost their passion. Jesus is not their number one passion. If we fix our passion, listen, come on. God will give us hope. Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Point number three, we need to confess our sins. Some of us are struggling with hope today because we've just got sin hanging out in our life. And we're not trying to ask forgiveness for it. And the reason is, is because we love our sin more than we love Jesus. Come on, some of you are hearing me preach for the first time. Oh, I bring it like this every single week, okay? <laughs> Welcome to Passionate Life Church. This is not a, a self-help message, okay? This is a transformation message. I want Jesus to be your passion. I want the Holy Spirit to wreck you on the inside. Because Jesus is looking for some soldiers. He's looking for an army. And we can't become all this, this refuge of hope that he's calling us to be if we're just letting sin hang out in our lives. Now listen, we all fall short of God's perfect grace. We all fall short. I'm not talking about that. Some of you just let addictions hang around your life, and, and you're not trying to get rid of it because you like it. And it's having an effect on your physical body, your, your mental health, the way you make decisions. David, King David, who literally had everything at his fingertips, anything he wanted. He sees a woman, but he sees a woman bathing, and he wants her. Has an affair with her, gets her pregnant, decides the best way to handle the situation is to kill her husband. Sends him to the front. He gets murdered. He gets killed. 
And David hides this for almost a year until Nathan the prophet calls him out. So he's, he's got this secret sin that he's, that he's dealing with for almost a year. This is, this is how he describes it. Okay, this is how he describes it. Psalms 32, 3 to 5. He says, when I refuse to confess my sin. You see, he hardened his heart towards God. He's trying to figure out a way to, to make it better. Guys, we can't figure out a way to make something supernatural better. Only God can remove our sins. Only Jesus can remove our sin. He says, when I confess, when I refuse to confess my sin, look, look what happened to him. My body was wasting away. You want to talk about someone who had no hope? This is David. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Listen to this. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Some of you are exhausted today because of the secret sin in your life. You're just exhausted today. Now listen, I'm not going to say, okay, turn to your neighbor today and confess your deepest, darkest secret. No, we're not going to do that, okay? Come on. But some of you need to have a conversation with Jesus today and confess your sin and say, Jesus, I don't want this in my life anymore. I want to be set free because that's the promise you made as you were hanging on the cross that I could be free from the power of sin. And you need to make that decision today because it is depleting your hope. It is sucking the life out of you. Now we have an awesome life. We have great life groups here. I want to encourage you to get into one. Get in one today. A couple of weeks ago, though, we, we highlighted a couple. We highlighted, highlighted our addiction group. And some of you need to confess that you're addicted to alcohol or drugs or something else. And maybe the first step is, is you putting it on the cross today. Maybe your first step is, is coming to the altar and giving it to God today. And then the other one is, is our surrendering the secret. Like, like even that name is awesome. And it's our, our abortion recovery group. Okay, it's one thing to, to preach against abortion. It's another thing to help people heal from it. Come on, somebody. And so statistically, 20% of the women, women in this room ha have experienced an abortion. Statistically. And, 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 and some people and some women hold on to this secret for decades. Decades. And it affects them physically, emotionally, spiritually, and it just affects their whole life. And, 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 this is, and, and this is where Satan comes in and he lies to us. And you're like, if you confess that, okay, you're going to feel guilt and you're going to feel shame. And it's literally the opposite. Look what David says. Look what David says here. He says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you. Look what happened. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me, and all my what was gone? Guilt. Guilt. You see, Satan lies to us and says, man, you're gonna, once you confess that, you're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel less than. Man, people are going to judge you. Oh, man, what are they going to think of you? David is saying just the opposite happens when you confess your sin. The guilt and shame is gone. Let's, get, let's finish up this passage here. He says, therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you, come on, look at this. What's he saying here? He's like, you are my refuge. 
For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Come on, that is a passage of hope today. That you don't have to just carry around your sin all day long, being ravaged by the devil all day long, letting him have a field day with your thoughts. Jesus said, man, I set you free from sin. And, and, and some of you today, you, you need to start with, with just confessing to God. You need to start there. But some of you, you, you need to actually meet with someone today and you need to confess. Because James says, man, when we confess our sins one to another, healing takes place. There is healing that can take place when we begin that place of confession. And it's a beautiful thing that when shame and guilt lifts off of our lives. Let's continue. Psalms 39, 6 through 8. Again, this is David. David says this, we are merely moving shadows. And this is a guy who literally has everything in his life. Okay, he's the king. We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? He's like, man, I tried to make myself busy, right? There's some of you today, you're just busy because you don't want to deal with the things that are going on in your life. You don't want to deal with the sin in your life. You don't want to deal with the hopelessness in your life. You don't want to deal with a bad relationship and a bad marriage. You you don't want to deal with it. And so what you do is you make yourself really busy and distracted by the things of this life. And David's like, listen... There's no hope in that. So, some of you, your whole goal in life is to get more money, to more, more wealth, more, more assets. And David's like, there's just no hope in that. Because guess what? You don't get to take it with you. Somebody else ends up spending it. There's no, there's no hope in that. Look at He says, my only hope is in you. Rescue me from my rebellion. Do not let fools mock me. Point number four today. Our only true hope is in Jesus. It's not the next stimulus package. It's not the next governor or president. It's it's not the next job you take. It's not the next relationship that you're in. It's in Christ in Christ alone. But guys, I, guys, I get it, right? I, like, I get it. What, you know, what we're in today is followers of, of Christ, right? I, I get it. And, and, and we're distracted. And, and man, we, we get distressed by, by things that are coming out in, in our world and, and, and the mandates that are, that are coming down. And let me just give you a side note. Mandates are never good, okay? Just from a pastor's perspective, mandates are never good. I don't care if it's a mandate to put ketchup on your hot dog. Just from a pastor's perspective, okay, just, this is how the mark of the beast is going to be rolled out, okay? In the book of Revelation, Jesus is like, look, you're not going to be blindsided by this. 
Our only hope is in Jesus. Our only hope is in Christ and Christ alone. He's the one that gives us freedom. We are citizens of heaven first. We are Christians first before we're Republican and Democrat or Green Party or Independent or whatever you are. We are followers of Christ first. We serve a king who is on a throne. We should have so much hope every single day. Why? Because we have Jesus. And he did all the heavy lifting over 2,000 years ago on Calvary on that cross our only hope is in Jesus come on let's bow our heads for a moment close your eyes maybe you'd say today pastor my passion is not Jesus today maybe you've never made a commitment to Christ and the Holy Spirit is tapping on your heart today and say today's your moment Today, you're going to be welcomed home. Or maybe at one point, Jesus was your passion, and you just drifted from the truth of God, and you know today that you're here this morning because Jesus is calling you back to the refuge. He's calling you back to the place of hope. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to make you do anything embarrassing today. This is between you and Jesus. Just slip up a hand today. I just want to pray with you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, you can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask that everyone would, would repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.